around this church. The Vision Series is coming up in May. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know what that is, is uh, I get an opportunity just to kind of share my heart where God is leading us in the vision of our church. And God is doing a lot of really good things despite my wife falling off the stage. All is well in Hope Chapel, Kanyoi Bay. <laughs> Do you guys believe that? Uh, we've changed our new service times. If you notice, it's actually, uh, this is what I was hoping would happen. It actually frees up a lot of seats in this service because a lot of the later service people have gone to the 9 o'clock. And this is traditionally the service where we get most of our new people. So praise God, we've just opened up a bunch of seats for you to fill by bringing your friends. That is a good thing. I'm stoked to see you guys here this morning. Uh, this morning is a special morning because it is Compassion Weekend. And um, you guys saw the balloons and you saw the tables and stuff like that out there. But God is doing stuff to stretch us in our generosity. Would you guys agree? That we have been, we've been looking for opportunities to give and for God to do stuff. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to share, have generosity to reach out and to bless other people's lives. It's Compassion Weekend. Do you guys know what the word compassion means? Here's the definition of compassion because I think, first of all, it came through Jesus Christ to us, and then he calls us to share it with other people. Look at the definition for the word compassion. It says, it's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. And that's great that you would feel for someone, you'd love someone that's in a hard way. But the rest of it is really the key. It says, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. If you think about it, isn't that what Jesus Christ did for us? Really think about it. John 3.16, we all know the verse, right? For God so loved the world, but it doesn't end there. Because that would be, oh, God loved us. He had mercy on us. He saw us in our misfortune, and he felt sorrow for us. But then we know that the verse finishes with, he loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son, that anyone who would believe in him would not die but have eternal life, right? And see, the thing about compassion, and this is what we're talking about today, is that it's not enough to just feel something and be aware of a need but you got to do something. you got to take action. Amen? We know that as Christians, and we're supposed to live like Jesus, and we're supposed to love like Jesus, it's not enough to go, well, I'm so blessed, and God's doing good things in my life. That's good. That's part of it. But it's supposed to fill you up so much that it overflows into the lives of those around you. When you guys agree on that? See, God has been blessing our church. Just so you know, a couple praise reports because of what Jesus did in our lives. i, I got to share this one. Last week, because of what you guys did, because this is cool, you guys invited your friends to Easter services. You know, we had the largest weekend we've ever had in 29 years of history of this church. God is moving. We had over 3,400 people in services last week. Can we praise God for that? That's cool, yeah? And I know there's bigger churches out there, but for us, God is doing something, and he's growing us, and he's moving. And, you know, you can get caught up in the numbers game. And I'm not like a, oh, numbers, numbers guy. I realize that the, that the word says that basically healthy things grow. And so you should be always growing, always doing a better job, always reaching out further. So we do got to keep track of numbers. But the most important number that we heard from last week was this number. We had over 90 people give their lives to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Isn't that cool? Praise God for that. That's almost 100 people. There's churches that I talked to that had a little bit more than that. But they're like twice the size of us. And it's like God is moving. You guys brought your friends. That's why, by the way, after service, we got root beer floats for everybody just to celebrate that. But God is moving because God is a God of compassion who doesn't just say, oh, there's a problem. But he comes alongside. And like that lifeguard analogy I used last week, there we are messed up and stuck in our poverty and our darkness and sin and this confusion of this world. And Jesus is a lifeguard going, come on, I got you. I pulled you out of that. That's compassion. 
right, to pull people out and to bless people's lives. And God has been blessing our lives. Here's some other ways that God has been blessing our lives because he had this heart of compassion. Here's some praise reports that I received, your cards from last week. And yes, I do read them and I do pray over all of them. Our whole staff does and it goes out to the prayer team. But you guys want to hear some praise reports of what God's doing in, in the life of this church? Some of yours right here. Check this out. Praise God that my life changed. I'm 11 months clean and sober now, and my boyfriend has started to come to church with me every Friday and is beginning to love God too. Thanks, Hope Chapel. Is that cool? Okay, there's more. Praise God. Step by step, our marriage is being healed. We still have a long way to go, but may God be glorified in where we are today. We are here again for services this weekend. Praise God for restored marriages. How about this one? Praise. I had two strokes last month, and God healed me. Praise him. Unreal. Praise. God is answering prayer for his Holy Spirit to fill my home and the lives of my family. Our lives are changing. My daughters are maturing spiritually and emotionally, and my wife and I are getting more opportunities to grow with our girls. Prayer works. Isn't that good? When families are restored. How about this one? Simple. Praise God for providing my girlfriend with a $1,000 scholarship. Thank God. Hey, free money is always good. Amen? Come on. Uh, praise. Two of my close friends just turned back to God. I'm blessed to have been able to see it. I praise God because I've been waiting to see their change. Thank you, Lord. Praise. Thank God for, my heal for healing my wife of cancer and for attending church with me today. Praise his holy name. Wow, that's a big one. Praise God for the miraculous healing of my dad. He was in ICU for three weeks and everything was looking bad. But praise God, he had a sudden turnaround and is now doing better than he has in over five years. How crazy is that? God is so good. Praise God, my, my cousin is healing from brain surgery, out of ICU, recovering from meningitis, and starting all therapies. Thank you for your continued prayers. God is good. How about this one? Praise God, let me get time off work to go on the Japan mission trip. Praise God. Now listen to the, the part of this at the end. And praise him for the trials I face. Is that a prayer of faith or what? When we can say, God, even though I'm facing trials and I'm in the valley time right now and I'm hurting, I praise you because I'm on my way out of them because you're a good God and you're going to take me through these things. And finally, this last one. Did we pray for Ben at this service last week? Do you guys remember 17-year-old Ben? Here's his praise report. After months of prayer, the tumor in my brain has gone down in size and is now half the size it was originally. How good is that, yeah? See, this is the God we serve, the God that said, I'm going to have compassion on those people because I love them. And I'm going to reach out to them, and I'm going to take action, and I'm going to bring them out of their darkness and their hurt and all the problems, and I'm going to do something about that in their lives. And this is the God we serve. This is what it says about Jesus. He said about this, his own mission in Luke 4:18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He also said this in John 10.10 10, in the message. He said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And then in Matthew 28, he said, for even I, the son of man, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for, for many. See, Jesus had the original heart of compassion for people. His whole ministry was for those that are weak and the children and the, the downtrodden. Jesus came to, to bring hope and life to the lost, the last, and the least, of which I'm one right now. Who else in this room is saying, yep, God, you came for me. Thank you for that. See, God had that heart of compassion on us. 
So he came to bless us, to pull us out of where we were at and, and the hopelessness we were in. But here's the other thing. He came to give us a model to teach us that we're required to, to practice that in other people in this world. Do you guys understand that too often we forget that we're supposed to give it away? Do you realize that in Scripture, there's over 560 verses from Genesis to Revelation where God is speaking to his people, us, his followers, where he's saying, meet the needs of the little ones, of those that can't fight for themselves, of the poor, the oppressed, the downtrodden. I'm leaving it up to you guys, my followers, to do something about the needy in this world. And that's like pretty heavy for us to understand. See, we forget and we get so happy with the, oh, God, come and bless my life. And we fill up and God is good all the time. Yeah. But then we forget that the only reason we're supposed to be filled up is it so we can overflow into the lives of other people. Do you guys realize that? Or are you just like one of the few, because we get like this from time, time to time, where we just get, man, God is good. It's so great. I'm just going to go hang out with my Christian friends and praise God. And we forget that God's going, yeah, that was for you to give away. That was for you so you could experience it. Now show other people that's available to them too. Starting with where we're at right now in our lives, in our houses, in our schools, and then all the way to the ends of the earth. God put that on us to take it. Here's some of the verses he talks about. Proverbs 14, 31. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors him. Proverbs 21, 13. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. God says, you can't help someone else. Why, why should I help you? Isaiah 58, 10, one of the greatest chapters in Scripture. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. And here's a heavy one, 1 John 3, 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? You realize that as we meet the needs of those around us in this world, both near and far, that God says we're blessed if we do, but we're also accountable if we don't. It's not just like, well, here's a suggestion, help other people out. He's basically said, hey, there's, there's consequences. I've, I've asked you guys, you're my kids, 560 times alone in Scripture to go out there and be a blessing. I expect you to, as we take on the name Christian, we have the word Christ in there. We're supposed to be Christ-like. We're supposed to look like him, live like him, love like him. And this is what Jesus is asking us, and that's why we're talking about this today. And I believe that it starts with right where we're at, this act of compassion, this heart of compassion. It starts in our own friendship circles, in our own families, and in the people that we relate with. It starts with what you guys did last week and saying, hey, you know what? My church is pretty cool. You can find the God that has done this in my life. Come to church with me. And all of those people came to church, not because of me, but because you guys invited them. That's a heart of compassion that says, my friends are living a kind of a hurting life, and I know that I got something that can make them feel good. Bring them to church. What about this, that our church is starting to discover the real and amazing power of prayer? Do you guys believe that? I heard some, I don't want to say crazy, but it was amazing stuff that in the prayer and healing service this past Thursday night, they had a guest speaker, and people were getting words for one another. Prayers were going down, not just from the super guest speaker guy, but for each other, and miraculous healings were happening. People with, with aches and pains and hurts and stuff for years of their life have been set free, and they're freed from them. And I checked up on them the next few days. Hey, is it still gone? Your, your leg's still okay? Yes, complete and total healing. Why? Because we're learning to show compassion through offering prayer away. You guys understand that it's not your power anyway. Why are we embarrassed about it? Why are we ashamed that in the mall someone's going through something and we're like, oh, I'm in the mall. This is crazy. What if God doesn't show up? It doesn't matter. God just says, ask. 
command that stuff to be gone in their lives, I'll show up. I'll make it happen. So compassion starts with where we're at, offering prayer, witnessing to people. Do you know that every Friday night if you come up here, there's a whole section right here because they love this section. They always sit here, about 20 people who are from the Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center, Hinamalka, right at the bottom of our driveway right there. And that people in our church have a heart of compassion to give them rides every Friday, bring them up. Their lives are changing. Friday night, I always just want to talk to this side because this is the cool crowd because these guys are the hungriest. These guys are the ones that I need Jesus the most right now. And I love because I'm like, oh, you guys are on it. And their lives are changing. They're getting set free from addictions. They're getting out of the treatment. They're coming back to church with their families because God is moving. Why? Because someone had compassion enough to go. It's not just about me and my church up on the hill. I'm going to go down into the community and have compassion on other people. You guys see what we're getting at today, this heart of compassion? But it's happening in the, the Poilani Treatment Center in, in town where we've got people that work there. They're trying to bless the, the guys that come in there with nothing, one pair of clothes. And so they're saying, hey, can you guys donate clothes to these men just as a, as a sign of compassion in their lives? We're trying to get Bible studies going, bring them to church. This is happening. We did the uh, water bottles for free in that Bless Kanioi campaign that we did lo- not too long ago. You guys remember, was anybody there? Did anybody help out with that one from this church? We got a few people, all right, the youth over there. We had some people, uh, we had about 80 people show up, and we just passed out water bottles to people who were stopped in traffic at lights just to say, we're from Hope Chapel, and here's a free bottle of water. I know it's not that big of a deal, but that's, sorry, that's all we could come up with. <laughs> kind of dumb. Yeah, like, here's free water. <laughs> people are trying to give us money and all that, and we just said, no, no, we're just, we're trying to be Christians and come up with creative ways just to have compassion and to bless our community. Um, We've, we've got people in the church doing graffiti cleanups, highway cleanups. I've got many churches that on their own are adopting, hey, our mini church is just going to go down, and we're going to paint out graffiti at the skate park. Not because the church told them to, but because there's 560 verses in the Bible that say, go help out, go be a blessing to other people. Uh, we, we, we got a family in here. They were at the last service. Last week, they went down to Waimanalo Beach Park, and they just made a huge pot of stew and rice and all this stuff. They got a bunch of Bibles, and they made Easter baskets. And all the hungry and homeless down there, they just fed them, loved on them, prayed with them, gave them Bibles. People accepted the Lord. Unreal stuff is going down. But see, the heart of compassion is we got to get our eyes off of ourselves, and we got to remember to give away. The stuff we do in Chinatown, the stuff we're going to do in June, we're going to be taking collection for the Hawaii Food Bank that's, that's needing right now. We have six mini churches that alternate each week in providing a mini church at Aloha Nursing Home. Isn't that cool? That they go every six weeks, we're not going to meet at our house for mini church. We're going to take field trip and we're going to do mini church at Aloha Nursing Home. See, I love all of this stuff that we're doing and that it starts with us getting out of ourself, but it also can be taken a step further when Jesus calls us into the world where there's even greater needs. Do you guys realize that we live in a blessed nation? That when Jesus said, meet the needs of those that are poor and oppressed, there's not as great of a need in our country as there is in many countries around the world. Now, I'm not saying there's no need. I'm not trying to make light of homeless problem and all that and poverty. But what I'm saying is our view of poverty is very different than, say, uh, the World Development Report on what poverty really is. Listen to this definition. This is poverty is poor people without fundamental freedoms of action and choice that the better off take for granted. They often lack adequate food and shelter, education and health, deprivations that keep them from leading the kind of life that everyone values. They also face extreme vulnerability to ill health, economic dislocation, and natural disasters, and they're often exposed to ill treatment by institutions of the state and society and are powerless to influence key decisions affecting their lives. These are all dimensions of poverty. See, most places that I know in the U.S., 
The U.S. provides ways where you're not completely powerless, where somehow, some way, if you're living on the street, you can go get a job at McDonald's. You can go, you can go do yard work, make some, some money. You can elevate yourself to becoming presidents of, of companies and all this stuff. Now, I'm not trying to make light. I know there's real problems here, but here's some statistics on the, on the, the farther-reaching front of the world. One child in the world dies from hunger every five seconds. That's not diseases. That's treatable. Someone just didn't get to eat, and so they died. Every five seconds, one child dies from hunger. More than one in five people in this world live on less than $1 a day. See, now you're not feeling so bad with, you know, what you have. Oh, I can only afford this one-bedroom apartment. Well, there's people living on less than a dollar a day. One in five people li live on less than a dollar a day. More than 10 million children under the age of five years old die each year. More than 10 million. But listen to this. Out of that 10 million, more than 6 million of these are from malnutrition or other preventable causes. See, this is if someone would have had compassion and fed them and made a difference, 6 million of them wouldn't have had to die from sim something as simple as malnutrition or preventable causes. Here's the deal that we're getting at today because we're clearly going to do something and be a part of Compassion International. We can't do everything. We can't on our own. We're sitting here and like, what difference can I do? And a lot of us just go, you know what, out of sight, out of mind. I don't live in that kind of a country or situation, so this doesn't affect my family, so I'm just going to feed my kids and go about my life. The problem is God gave us 560 verses that say you need to do something about that. You live on a planet I've given you to be responsible for. There's people hurting all around the world. we got to do something. We can't do everything, but it's not an option for us to do something. The Bible expects us. God expects us to be his hands and feet, and he goes, you know what? One person at a time. Just make a difference somehow, some way. And so we're getting involved with Compassion International because I went on this trip to the Philippines, and I heard about them for a long time. I heard about all of these relief organizations for a long time. I gave to a couple of them. I've done some stuff in the past, but I was looking for something. I'm not going to just go and, and campaign and promo and get this going on in my church if I can't know that this organization that I'm a part of has absolute integrity in everything that they do. i got to see from my own eyes where my dollars are going. And if you guys like that, like, like me, hey, if I'm not going to give money if I know that half of it some fat cat's going to be living off of, right, and those kids aren't going to get anything. But I went and I saw how this whole thing operates. And here's what got me about Compassion International. It's Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. That if we as a church are going to stand for anything, there's, it's great to be a part of any organization that helps people in the world, that gives relief effort and feeds people and teaches them about safety and health. That's great. That's good. And they're all good. But we're a church that is grounded on Jesus Christ. Amen? And that what we're giving away is a hope of heaven, not just let me give you some food, let me give you some health, go and live a long, exciting, happy life, and then when you die, you're still going to hell. That's not the heart of our church. The heart of our church says, we're going to feed you, and we're going to do all that good stuff, but we're going to make sure that you know Jesus Christ. There's a chance for your family to know Jesus Christ. You could change your neighborhood and your community because we're a church, and this is what we believe in, and this is what we're going to get behind. So I went, and I said, we're going to be a part of this because this is what happens. We have a chance to change sponsored kids' lives, that for a small monthly payment, we do this thing, but we're actually changing kids' lives. And not only are their lives changed, but here's the thing that happens is when you start to, to get out of yourself and invest in other people, your whole perspective, your whole faith begins to change. You start stretching sacrificial, generosity-type muscles and faith and getting out of your own well-being and looking to other people, muscles that you never used before, and your faith begins to grow. And you discover this sense of humility. I went to the Philippines, and I got wrecked for God. I got so humbled and so just amazed at the poverty 
and then the hearts that are taking care of the poverty in this organization. And I'm going, if 80-something cents of every dollar goes straight to that kid that I'm sponsoring, how in the world is the rest of the organization even existing on the remaining month? That's so little bit. And they said, well, because we do it all through the local church, which means they're guaranteed involved in the church family and the love that goes along with that. And the other thing is all the people you see here working, Carl, they're just volunteering of their own time because they love Jesus and they love these kids. And I was like, oh, man, how do I not be a part of this thing? How do I not be someone that would support such an amazing effort all in the name of Jesus with hearts like these? God, we can change lives. How do I get this? How do I bring my church alongside? And so that's where we're at today. It's going to change you as we talk about this stuff. So as we're there in the Philippines and I'm looking, listening to all of these things and my heart's breaking and I'm realizing this is the real deal, I can be a part of changing lives, uh, we saw some kids that were sponsored, sponsored all the way up to high school, then the sponsorship ends at 18 or high school. And then some of the cream of the crop of them get picked to be sponsored through Christian universities. So these kids are all there giving their testimony about why it's been so good, and my heart's breaking, and they're just saying how they came from nothing, and because of, of people's money and hearts and letter writing, they know Jesus, they're going to change their world, and I'm just like, oh, this is incredible. And then when, one girl's just kind of like, oh, well, I'm not even really sponsored. And it was all I could do to not just jump out of the chair and go, we got you, you know, I got it, you know, I volunteer. And I was with all these other pastors from Hawaii that were traveling, and I'm like, I don't want them to have the blessing, I want the blessing. So I just volunteered us right away, and I got to sponsor us as a church to sponsor this girl to pay for her university education, $300 a month as a church, and I got there right on the spot to do that. Isn't that cool? So we have one sponsored kid, but that's just the beginning. You guys clap, but you haven't seen the whole thing, is that when you saw it face-to-face, -face, when I saw it face-to-face -face and what went on and what changed in her life, the moment I said that we're going to sponsor her, it made everything all worthwhile. And you guys are sad because you weren't there, you couldn't see it. But lucky for you, your pastor is on it. I'm on the ball, and guess what I had in my pocket? My iPhone with the video camera. So I captured it so you guys could see the moment. You guys want to see the moment we sponsored Zara? Can you guys run the video? Check this out. You guys are going to be blessed. Can we catch you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. On film, my church. Ready? Hope Chapel Kanyoi Bay. This is your new sponsored LDP student. 
got you. We got you. That's good. to share that with you and I pray that that would would move your heart. I pray that there is some tears in the house and that's good tears. We should be broken and we should be humbled with compassion for other people and a heart for other people and we have the ability to change people's lives. And you know, I was so blessed to be able to see her face to face because did you know that less than 1% of all sponsored kids ever get to meet their sponsor face to face? See, the reason that I went to Philippines and I said, our church is going to adopt the Philippines is of all the 26 nations that Compassion reaches out to and sponsors kids, they're the closest ones to Hawaii. That means I can organize mission trips every year and take people from our church who sponsor kids and they can meet their kids for the first time. And their kids can meet face-to-face people that would love them enough to invest in their lives. And you know what's awesome? I got my first letter from Zara this past week. And she's like thanking us and just saying all this stuff about her family. And we're so blessed and that she wanted to study to be an architect or an interior designer or an accountant. But then when she started teaching Sunday school and vacation Bible school, she said, I realized that God called me in this teaching ministry because of the joy I felt every time I teach these children. And I felt in this field, I can do more for God and can also preach God's word through teaching. She said, never mind those other jobs. I want to teach people. I want to teach them about God. And that's our girl. So I'm proud of her already. Yeah? Isn't that cool? Um, But it's one thing to hear the story and to see a video, but it's a whole other thing to have a real-life, compassion-sponsored kid that went through it all, who's all grown up now, and who's now an advocate for it because it changed his life so much. Are you guys want to hear from someone like that? Would you guys welcome my friend Peter as he comes up to share his testimony with you? Welcome him as he comes. Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for allowing me uh, to be here. Uh, I speak several languages, so English is my fourth language. So I don't quite speak it well. So it, please, if I say anything horrible, you can throw your iPhone at me. Uh, I might take it with me, but I, I promise. Uh, well, I'm really delighted to be here, and I'm really grateful uh, for uh, allowing me, you know, allowing the little ones, uh, the 700 that are here, to say that you truly care for us, you know? For me, to be honest, you know, I've, I've traveled over the world. That's my job. I've been in churches, but I have not been in this kind of a tent, you know? Uh, but but here's, what, here's what I just gathered as soon as I arrived here, you know? We've knocked to many churches where they say, we're in the middle of building, so we can't really, really have an opportunity to share with you. But for you, you've said... We don't care what kind of building we have. We don't care what kind of place we, we really want to welcome the poor, those who cannot speak for themselves, to be able to speak on their behalf. And we really cherish and we really thank you, especially you, Pastor, for allowing us to tell your story. 
To me, it's been a really emotional week, you know. It's one thing to love people you see every day. It's another thing to love people that you've never seen before, you know. And for me today, it was really shown, you know, through your pastor's wife, you know. I know Carl is excited, but his wife. <laughs> truly, truly, you know, she, she truly makes me teary. Um, just like Sarah, just how she was so excited when Carl said, we will sponsor you. The same that I saw in her eyes when she picked up four kids. And I, she didn't know I was watching her, but I could hear her talk about it, you know. And memorizing their names within matters of, you know, as she, soon as she picked them up. And for me, I couldn't imagine for those little ones to know that they've been chosen by someone special. And their lives are going to change. And that was for me as well. The life changed for me. Because someone reached out. Because someone said, you have no family, we'll be family. You have no place to go, we'll be that place. You have no church to go, we will. You have no meal to eat, we will provide that for you. And that's what you've shown to me as a church. There's one gentleman in your church who said, well, uh, I, I'm going to sponsor a child, but I'm going to pay for the next five years to come. You know, I said, uh, what? You know? To me, he truly believes that he's investing in a child, that he knows God will change life. And that's how God changed life for me. Today, the 700 kids that are here today, the little one, Mark, he is looking for the same. The same as Zara, someone to believe in him. The same as me, someone to say, you matter. I come from Africa, and my name is Peter Mutabazi Habiadmana. It's a long sentence, you know. Uh, you know, one time I shared in the church, and someone, two ladies came to me in California, and they said, hey, are you from Japan? <laughs> and, uh, and I wondered seriously, you know, why they thought I'm from Japan. I know there's no black Japanese, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to know. Well, they said, your name sounds like Yamaha, Toyota, you know. Uh, Mutabazi. Mutabazi, my dad's name. And that's how uh, my name is pronounced. I'm from Uganda, but my dad is from Rwanda. And so my name basically means he's a gift from God. I got my name when I was two years old, you know, in my village. For every 100 children that were born, 50 would die before the age of two. So my mom was afraid to give me a name because she wasn't sure if I would make it to the age of two. And so many are children in Africa, Asian, South America as well, that sometimes they're not sure about this tomorrow. If their kids will be able to survive. And I work for Compassion. All I do is basically travel over the world, speaking on behalf of the children, speaking on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves, and speaking on the, on the joy and the mercy that God has given or towards me to truly be a little of hope to those that are hopeless. To tell my story that reaching out to the little ones you're about to reach out to, that you're probably giving them an opportunity that I was given. Had someone not reached out to me, I wouldn't be here, to be honest. I would not be here. But because someone cared, I truly, truly made it. Oh, I'm still here. Well, I'm going to share with you. And my story is no different than the stories of 700 kids that are here today. You know, I want you to imagine, put a picture of this little, little boy, you know, Nov, that probably he didn't have a meal like I didn't have a meal. Probably he didn't have a father 
that I could didn't have. And I want you to know that what you choose today will change your life as it changed for me. Well, I come from Africa, as I shared with you, and I come from the poor of the poorest. It's hard for, to really explain that to an American. But think, you have five children, but you could never provide for them a meal a day. And that was my family. I had meal one every other day. And for me, meals was beans and potatoes. So today, if you feed me beans, I might, you know, not really go well with me. Because that's all I knew. I had beans Monday to Monday, beginning of the year to the end of the year. You know, on Christmas, we had chicken. On Easter, we had beef. So for me, growing up, Christmas wasn't really about, about the birth of Jesus. It was about chicken. Because it was the only day that we had chicken. So for me, that was the excitement. But also I come from a culture where it's men first, women, and children. Basically, the last. And sometimes that chicken didn't even get to me. And then on Easter, we have beef. Why? Because I grew up from a Roman Catholic family. So at the end of Lent, that's when we would eat meat. So for me, those are the two days I had a different meal. So you see where I come from? Absolutely so poor. I had my first pair of shoes when I was 16 years old. Never had a pair of shoes. I had my first Coca-Cola when I was 14. You know, and I didn't like it. What happened is someone opened it and I put it in my mouth and I closed. It came through my nose. And since then, I did not like it. That was my first experience. And I truly want to say, life was miserable. I come from a world where you were not told to dream. You didn't know you know, to be honest, I never dreamed I'd be 10 years old. Never. And the reason is, you watch your little siblings, you watch those that are same your age dying in front of you. For you to think you survive, it's foreign and was foreign to me as well. Well, at the age of four, I began to realize not only were we poor, but I come from a family that was difficult. My dad was the meanest man I've ever met. Dad was mean in every shape form to me and to my mom as well so you're stuck with poverty not sure if you have a meal but you also have the worst the worst of all when you come home so for me I didn't really have a desire to ever be 10 there was no reason to be so there was no joy there was no hope at the age of eight I got an opportunity to go to school and I went to school not to be a teacher uh, not to be anything there's no one educated in my family that I wanted to be like. But also, that's when my mom could afford at least to send me for one year. So I went to school, and I enjoyed it for one thing. It was the only place I could hide away from my dad. So for me, school was safe heaven, a place to hide. Well, at the age of 11, I realized that probably I was going to die, but I didn't want to die from home. So one day I woke up in the morning, and I went to the bus station, and I asked the, the lady at the bus station and say, which bus goes the farthest? I had never been 10 miles away. And she said, that one. I got on that bus and I went 480 kilometers away from my village. And I can honestly tell you that ride from my village to the city was the greatest ride I can truly think to this day. That I could ride as far as I could and my dad was not going to catch me. As 11 year old, that I could go as far as I can. And I know to the kids that we have today, some of them, that's a life they dream to go away. 
Well, I ended up in the city of Kampala and became a street boy. There was no any other place I could be, but just really true to be a street boy. And that's how I lived my life. That's how I survived. You know, in Africa, uh, street boys, or most people don't make money. I mean, most people make less than a dollar. So there's no money to hand to street boys. But this is what I was told by my mom. That you help someone, they will help you. They will have a favor on you if you do the same. So women in Africa sell grocery or staff or fruits or alongside roads. So basically that's how I did. Help them so they can give me something to eat. And to be honest with you, on one-on-one, -on -one, it was the best way to steal food and not harm anyone. If I stole a bunch of banana, I mean, you, you, you told me to carry a bunch of banana and I took two. Hey, I've helped you. I've helped myself. It's a win and win. And that's really how I survived, by helping others so I can be given something to eat. But one day, I helped a family. They gave me something to eat. So them second time, gave me something to eat. Third time, something to eat. Fourth time, I knew what car they drive, where they buy stuff, and what they buy, and what time they show up in town. So every Saturday, I'll be waiting for them so they can give me something to eat. So one day, they said, hey... If you had an opportunity to go to school, would you go to school? And I said, oh, yeah, I would love to go to school. But what I was trying to say basically, oh, yeah, you give me food, I'll say whatever you want me to say. But this is what I thought when they mentioned school. I thought, well, maybe if I go to, to school, maybe I may, I may be able to sleep. You know, growing up on the street, you didn't sleep for more than an hour because someone might hurt you. So for me, when I thought school was the best place maybe I could have a nap, a sleep. So every time I saw them, I really, really nagged them about helping me go to school. And finally they said, we will help you on two conditions. You go to boarding school and you attend a program at a local church. To be honest, when I had boarding school, it was like saying, you go to a five-star hotel. And so I was absolutely willing to do anything I could just so I can have a little glimpse of a place to sleep. Not to dream to be anybody, no, but a place to sleep. And so finally they put me in boarding school, and that changed my life. You might wonder, how do you live on the streets for four years and all of a sudden one night go to boarding school and somehow survive? Here's what a change for me, or here's why. I managed to survive. I'd grown from a family where I was always useless. There's nothing I ever did that mattered or deserved to say thank you. But he's a stranger who saw me as dirty as you could think, as miserable as you think, but somehow saw that I was worth somebody. For me, the act that he did towards me was the best thing a human being could do towards me. It was the best thing that someone could say that I have hope. It was the best thing that someone could say that I matter. It was the best thing for someone to say that there is tomorrow for you. And so that is what changed my life. It wasn't like I was smart going to school. No. To me, it's that someone so that I was worthy. And this is the 700 kids here today as well, just waiting for someone to say, that you matter as little girls in the Philippines to say you are special as little boys in the Philippines to say there is tomorrow and hope for you. And that's what I was given. 
And then I finally went to church. You know, that was the second option, that I had to be part of the local church. So I did go. And then I found out that this man who picked me off was the head of Compassion International Uganda. And the program was Compassion. And that's how I became part of Compassion a program. And that became for me family. Church became everything. I remember when I came to church, the, par- the pastor, the first time he said, hey, Peter, go play soccer with other boys. And I said, um, well, I didn't say anything, but inside me, I said, you want to beat me? So I'm going to stay here. So he went and came back and said, hey, I asked you to go. Why didn't you go play? I said, well, you want to beat me? Do it now. And he looked in my eyes and said, why would I do that? For me, those were the kindest words that he said. This is what he said. Why would, why, would, why would we do that to you? He said, God has a potential for you, and you're here so we can see it happen. To me, those were the kindest words for a stranger, a pastor, could really instill in me. And so that became for me. When he said that, I wanted to be like him the following day. So church became everything for me. It's where I hang out. It's where I made friends. It's where I just never wanted the doors to be closed. Why? Because they saw a little value in me. And that changed my life. Well, I had the gospel, but I really didn't hear it. I didn't really accept it quickly. Here's the reason why I didn't become a believer right away. My dad was Roman Catholic. He went to church every Sunday. And I could never understand how you can go to church Sunday and be an animal Monday to Saturday. And I never wanted to be like my dad. So the, re- the religious part of it, I didn't want to be. But somehow because I wanted to be there, I just walked alongside. Looked like one, behaved like one. But in 1994, my dad is from Rwanda, so I speak the language. Uh, during the genocide in Rwanda, anyone watch Hotel Rwanda? Yeah, so that's really true. And that's where I come from. In eight weeks, one million people were killed including my entire family for my dad. So my sponsor said, hey, it would be nice for you to go and help. So I did go. And my first day in Rwanda, as we drove through, I saw more than 2,000 dead bodies alongside the roads. And during that time, I knew I was going to die. But the question was, if I die, where will I go? I know some of you in this room, you've hit that point. Something's going to happen. But what's next? For me, that was the moment. I'm going to die. Where will I go? And so I turned to the driver and I said, hey, could you pray for me? I really want to be a believer. And he said, well, you work for Compassion. Your dad is, uh, you know, involved in church. You know, you're a believer. And I said, no, I look like one. I act like one. But I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. And I want to go to heaven now. So I better be sure. <laughs> and so he prayed for me. And we waited for death to come. We just sat in the car and waited for someone to come. And basically kill us. And waited and waited. During my waiting, really, that's when all the gospel really made sense for me. You know, before, you know, you know, for the Bible says, forgive even those who've wronged against you. That's the Lord's prayer. For me, that was really hard to do. I could not see myself forgiving my dad for what he had done to me and to my mom. That was huge. And I felt the Bible wasn't fair. Come on, just forgive this guy. This is what I wanted to do. Now that I was uh, 18, I wanted to go home, break my mom, my dad's leg, or something. And after say, you know, now I forgive you. <laughs> well, you're laughing because it's true to you as well. I'm sure you've got to a point where you say, I want to pay back. 
And that was for me that I wanted to pay back. But as we waited in the car for death, I also thought through like, wait a minute. God had not broken my leg. He not broken my arm. He not broken any of my ribs in order to forgive me. But he done it, his own son, for me to have eternal life. And at that point, I truly wanted to absolutely let it go, the anger that I had towards my dad. Why? Because I wanted to go to heaven. But also, at that point, I knew that's it. And as you live today, you don't know if it's tomorrow. For me, I'm still here. But none of us know when that's going to happen. And you better be ready. You better have forgiven those who've wronged you. You better have made it right with God. And that was for me. And so from then I said, God, if, if I survive and make it back to Uganda, I'm going to be the advocate and speak for the hope that you've given me towards those that I have not. And that's when I signed in to be the advocate for the children wherever I could. And I went back to Uganda, went to university, and worked for Compassion as a translator, writing letters for the sponsors and translating them to our language, and then from English to their language so they can know what their sponsors write to them. And that's really been a joy, that my sponsor changed my life, changed my family as well. My mom became a believer, and my sister and my little you know, uh, young uh, brother. And here's why mom became a believer. It's not that I went back and I said, I learned the gospel, here's the Bible, I'm going to hit you in the head. You know? No. For my mom, she became a believer for one reason. She said, if someone can love my son as their own, why did they do so? What compelled them to do so? And for her, when she found out that this man loved the Lord, she said, I want to go to his church, and I truly want to believe in what he believes, for what he had demonstrated towards me. And for these 700 kids here today, too, that's what you're going to change in their family, where there's no meal, that now they can have a meal and say, wow. I can survive. Where they get sick, that they can go to hospital. And for the mom and dad to say, wow, someone foreign, somewhere in Hawaii, how can he love my child this much? My dad, I never talked to my dad until 24, face to face. And I talked to him, you know, this that I'm about to share is I would never ask my dad to say sorry for what he did. He said it. Indirectly, this is what he said. I asked dad, why have you changed your ways? You come home at, you know, six rather than three in the morning. And this is what he said. He said, well, your dad, he calls my compassion dad. He said, your dad has, to has taught me what a father ought to be. That my dad, who's my sponsor, has taught my dad what a truly father ought to be. That's the power of someone reaching out. Someone reaching out to me, but in some way reached to my mother as well. And I know that's what you're going to do as well to those kids in the Philippines, that you can change them, but somehow that you change their families as well. As you write, you know, one thing that I really loved about um, writing from sponsors is that they will share their, what God is doing. They will share their faith and to see the kids read and take the letters home and their families read was really amazing. Every child keeps their letters for the rest of their life. They never destroy the letters you write. You know, for the kids here, if you get a new friend, you go to the movies. But for them, when they get a new friend, they pull out the letters that you've written to them for many, many years. 
And that's how you're changing lives. My life was different. Someone changed it. And so would you change your life today? It was difficult, to be honest. Really difficult. I would never wish any child to go through what I went through. But here's the thing. I would never also exchange it for any other life. Through it, I've learned, you know, God's forgiveness, God's mercy. I understand it in a greater way than probably most people do. And that's why, to me, it was easy to extend it towards my dad because I understood how much I've been given. To whom much is given, much is required. He's given me a family. He's given me faith. He's, how can I not forgive my dad? How can I give back to what he'd given me? And that's really been a joy for me to be here. That's been a joy for me that your pastor could give me an opportunity to tell the story. It's my story, but it's the story of Angelina as well, the little girl in the Philippines. And I want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to truly, truly live, to tell our story. My story has been, as Joseph said, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's how I see my life. That I'm more, I'm more great. I understand his love more than anything else. And I'm able to share and tell the stories about these kids. Why? Because he did it for me. So it's a good story, right? And I'm really delighted to be here. And I'm really thankful for what you've done for us. In the midst of malaria, that you're there to stand for us. In the midst of HIV, I've lost 60, 65 members of my family of one disease, HIV. And they have left little ones. But you know, 25 of them are in compassion. I would never have been able to do so. But someone, someone out there has said, in the midst of that, we will do help. For you who know about Uganda, I think you've seen the invisible children. Uh, you know, that thing, it happened a long time ago. But for you, you're saying, in the midst of that, we will make a difference. We will make a difference. So on behalf of the children in Africa, Asia, and South America, we want to say thank you. There's one thing that kids do in Africa that I would like you to do with me. You know, I'm going to say God is good. You say all the time, okay? Twice. God is good. And all the time. And I love what the kids in Africa say. They say that is God's nature, that he is always, always good. And I want to encourage you today, if you have an issue with family, with your job, with your sickness, remember that he is always good no matter what. And that's how we've come to believe in Africa, that despite of what we go through, he truly loves us no matter what. And so on behalf of the children, we want to say thank you for loving us. May the Lord bless you. Was that good? See, it's not just enough to, to hear the story and be moved, but we got to be moved to action. There's a verse in James 2.15 that says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? It's only good when we actually do something about it, isn't it? And um, we're going to get an opportunity right now to actually take action on this. And um, what we're going to do is the ushers are passing out the remaining uh, packets that we have. You know, I, I bit off more than we could chew, but I'm, I'm praying that I didn't. Uh, Compassion said, we're going to give you kids to sponsor. We'll give you 200 because that's probably all you can do. I said, no way. Give me 700. So we got 700 of them, and uh, we got some work to do, but we're, um, 
we're, I think we're a little over halfway there, and we're going to have these, these packets for a couple more weeks still. They're going to be available. But what we're going to do right now, I want everybody in the room to take a packet. And this, I'm not forcing you to sponsor. Please hear my heart on this. What I'm asking for is that we could pray over every one of these kids, and then you can decide what you need to do with it after. But at the very least, we as a church are going to pray over these kids that are in need of hope, that are in need of love, that are in need of what Jesus has to offer them. And it's more than just a quick, short handout, but we're trying to give them eternal life and trying to change whole neighborhoods. I picked the Philippines because we can give anywhere around the world, but I want to target one area and make a big difference. And Philippines is close, and I want to organize mission trips to go visit these kids that we sponsor. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of targeting the Philippines. But if everybody could just take one of those things. And um, God's moving in our church. He's doing things in us as a whole, as a whole family. Uh, numbers are up. The uh, miracles are up. Life transformations are happening. Stuff is happening. God is doing stuff. And I believe this is one of the ways he's going to move our church forward in our faith and stretching us so that we can receive more blessings. And so as we do this weekend, we got to be people of action who are willing to get a little bit uncomfortable so a guy can take us to the next level, yeah? If you did things the same way that you always do them, you're going to stay the same place you always were. But when we get challenged and we stretch a little bit, we go farther and God will provide. So what we're going to do is everybody gets one in a minute here. We're going to pray. And there's a couple things I want to do. Number one, I want to bless every single kid because some people might not sponsor these kids right now this weekend, but I'm going to pray that every kid would find a sponsor. So bless them at the very least. But secondly, if God has been moving on your heart and he's speaking to you and he's saying, come on, get a little uncomfortable, get challenged, get pushed a little bit, then I pray that you would respond to that and say, God, this kid that you just gave me, I'm going to start sponsoring this kid. And if God moves on your heart like you moved on my heart, I'm never going to ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. I picked up four sponsored kids on Friday night. We let our kids pick them. We're in this thing. We're invested in this thing. And my wife just comes and goes, oh, by the way, I got another one. So I'm five kids deep, and so that means I don't go to Starbucks anymore or whatever. Doesn't matter, you know? Seriously, where does that extra money go? My wife's like, you know what, 38 bucks, I, I could buy one nice top at Macy's for that price that I could be changing a kid's life in the Philippines. So we're just like, forget that. We, our TV doesn't need the upgrade. We don't need this. We don't need that. Let's change some lives here. So I'm praying that God would speak to you. And like I said, if you're like me, it's more than one kid. You're changing lives. You get to see him in heaven someday and see the good that you did. But I'm also praying that if some, someone in here is going, yeah, I want to get started on this, you would take the little uh, blue and white form out of that thing and just go ahead and start filling it out. Go drop it at a table outside. If you're saying, you know what, I only got one kid. It's a girl. I want a boy. Go to the table afterwards, exchange it, fill out the, the stuff, and drop it in. You're going to start a new relationship with your kid. If you're like us and you're going, I want two, three, four, Peter's got seven, go for it. Go big. Bless some people. Change some lives. Sacrifice that extra pair of shoes that you wanted to buy and go change some people's lives. Um, and if you're sitting here right now, as we're going to pray, and if you're really feeling like, you know what, this is good, I'm just not ready yet, then I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or pressure or anything. What you can do is after we pray in the end of service, just leave it on your seat behind you. The ushers will pick it up. But my heart and my goal is that all of us would take a step of faith and get out of that comfort zone a little bit and be pushed to take a step of action to bless this world. Amen? Um, and I hope it's, it's sacri of sacrifice. You know why? Because that means it's worth value to you, that it's like I had to give something up because it's going to something that's valuable, that's good. One of my friends came to me after church on Friday night. And he said this, thank you for pushing us, Carl. Thank you for being my pastor and challenging me to get out of my comfort zone. 
I, I would not have come to church tonight if someone hadn't pushed me. I've been working late. I'm a plumber. I wouldn't have got here. My family would have went without me. But my daughter threw my Men of Hope shirt at me and said, put this on, Dad. Come on. We're going to church. And she said, he said, because she pushed him, he showed up at church tonight. Then he was exposed to all that we've just heard and shared with. He sponsored several kids in his family. He goes, I would have missed out on this opportunity. But even more than that, listen to this. He goes, in that service, at the end of service, when you did a salvation prayer, an opportunity for people to find Jesus, my daughter sat in the whole service with me, and she raised her hand, and she accepted Jesus into her heart for the very first time. And he goes, I made sure, you know what you're doing, right? You know what, listen to what Pastor Carl, yeah, Dad, I'm getting into the family of God. And he's like, oh, okay, all right. And she knew, right, grade school girl, but she knew what she was doing. He goes, you know what, Carl, thank you for pushing me to be a part that I got to experience this. And I'm so stoked when people push me because if my daughter hadn't pushed me, she would have never become a Christian right next to me. And I'll remember that moment for the rest of my life. And I thought, wow, that, that's cool. So I got to push you. I got to be pushed because this trip pushed me. I got five kids now and I already had three. So what's going on? I don't know what I'm doing. But God will provide, and God's going to bless us. It's going to change kids, but it's going to change us as a church. We're going to new levels, and so I believe that. So if you guys would take those kids out right now, those lives that you're holding, would you just hold that up, that packet up right now as we're going to pray to God, his blessing? Again, if this is God's not moving you, you can leave it behind, but we're at least, at the very least, going to pray. The very least sometimes is the very most when it comes to prayer, isn't it? Let's pray. Father God, for these kids right now that we're holding up in our hands, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, you love them so much. You love them just as much as you loved us, Lord. And we've been blessed where we're at in life. But, Lord, some of these kids don't have the opportunities that we have. Lord, none of these kids right here that we're holding up have that opportunity. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would provide for them, that you'd provide sponsorship, you'd provide hope for them, you'd provide life. Lord, that you'd speak into their lives, change them through your spirit. Lord, that it would change their families, their neighborhoods, their communities. Lord, that massive amounts of good and love and compassion would come out of us just picking these one kids at a time, Father God. But provide for these kids regardless of whether it's us or somebody else. But Lord, on the second part of the prayer is I pray that you would push us to get a little bit uncomfortable, to realize that sacrifices that cost us something should be happening in our lives, Lord, as you've given up so much for us that you've required us to give up for other people and to love other people. And, Lord, the amazing, wonderful thing is that we know that as we give, you always give back. We can never outgive you. I know we're going to be hearing stories of how people had to stretch to be able to pay for their kids, and yet somehow you continue to provide. I know I've heard already that there's people that said we decided on one, but after a year we decided we could do two more. And then after that, they've, there's someone I talked to that has six of these, and they never thought they could even afford one. But, Lord, I know that you're a good God, that you provide for us as we provide for other people. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts and move us to get uncomfortable, to stretch our faith, to take a step of faith or changing a kid's life around the world. Father God, move us to that and push us and stretch us. And, Lord, for those of us that right now maybe we need to think about it or it's not the right time, Lord, I pray that you would get us to that place where we would be able to do something like this in the future, where we would be able to be confident in you and trusting you and to be blessing other people, Lord. And if right now is not the time, that's okay. But, Lord, bless these kids. Bless us that are able to give and to contribute in this way, Father God. Use our church. Grow our church. Help us to have influence in this state, in this nation, in this world, Lord, as we look for opportunities like this and we jump on them, we grab them real quick before it goes out of our head, out of our heart, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving these kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you want to go ahead and partner with that little child right there, sponsor them.
Go ahead and start filling the thing out. Drop it at the table. If you want to get more, if you want to change it, I got a boy, I want a girl. You can do any of that stuff. If not, you can go ahead and leave it on the seat. But guys, I'm praying 700, and I know we're not there. I know we're about halfway there only, and your service is going to make another further dent in that, and Kahala Campus is making a dent in that too, and we're going to have them available for several weeks. So if you came today and you need to run things by your spouse, you know, because it's going to affect the budget, that's cool. Just make sure that the form comes back in, and you can either do it online or it can come through our church. But um, I want to change lives, and I want us to go big, and I want us to get a little uncomfortable for God. Is that okay to ask? Okay, we're going to say another prayer, and then we're going to close the service, and we'll let you have your day. But we're just going to pray and give opportunity for people to meet Jesus if you never have made a commitment to him. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, we're here today. Father God, you've stirred us. You've moved us. You've caused us to think. You've pulled on the heartstrings a little bit, and for definitely for good cause. And Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would move all of us as a church into further action, Lord, further acts of sacrifice and compassion and generosity. And that in return, Lord, we know that you're going to refill us, that anything that we've given out, we can never outgive you, God. And we understand that as we give to others, you always replenish above and beyond so that we're overflowing again and we have to give more away. And that, Lord, we are always getting blessed as we bless other people. So, Father God, I pray that you would do that in our lives and, and in our walks with you. Stretch us into the uncomfortable zone so that we can bless others. Lord, right now, I just want to lift up a prayer for anybody. You may be sitting here today. You've never really taken that first important step with Jesus Christ, that you've never really fully, completely accepted the compassion that he made available through that cross and what he did for you. And maybe you came to church and you've known of God for a while, just haven't really done anything about it. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you're someone that has come for a while and you're like Peter, as he said, I look like a Christian, I acted like a Christian, but I was far from having a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No matter where you're at in your walk, and your knowledge of God, I want to say a prayer right now that will change everything as we said on Easter, that you can have a relationship with the Almighty God that will be in your life. He'll invest in your life. You will see changes as you enter into a relationship with Him. It's not a religion we're talking about. We're talking about a relationship with a mighty living God who wants to do the miraculous in your life. He's here to rescue you, to have compassion on you so that you can have that on other people. And if that's what you want, you're at a place where you're just ready to say, all right, pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going to take a step of faith, see what God's all about here. And I'm here to pray with you right now. What we're going to do is I'm going to say a prayer with you and for you. I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud in front of everybody. I'm just going to ask that you would agree in your heart along with the words that I say. Scripture says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we confess with our mouth, then we are saved. The first step is believing with all your heart and acknowledging who God is in your heart. And then after this prayer, after service, you can begin to confess with your mouth and be accountable. Hey, I, I pray that prayer. I'm a Christian. I am, I am God's son or daughter. You can confess it later. But right now, we're going to talk about the heart issue. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you'd be praying along with me in your heart of hearts. And you'd be making this commitment to Jesus Christ and give him a chance to move in your life. But I want to know if that's you. Everybody seated around you has their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But I want to know who I'm praying with. I just want to know who I'm, I'm talking to right now because I'm going to be blessed and excited and privileged to be able to pray this most amazing prayer of your whole life with you right now. But I just want to know who that is. And as, as, we, as I said, is I'm going to say the words out loud. I'm just going to ask you to pray quietly in your heart of hearts. But I just want you to let me know in a minute. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I'm going to ask that you would just shoot your hands straight up in the air just to signal me, just so I see you, just so I know, I know who I'm praying with. Okay, if you can do this, 
to take this step to say, God, I want to be a Christian today. I want to know you in my life and see what is possible. Ready? Raise your hand on three. One, two, three. Anybody, raise your hand. Let's see one. Keep them up. Two hands, three hands, four hands, five hands, six hands. I'm looking around. I hope I saw everybody. I saw about six people in here. Thank you, Lord. Best decision you'll ever make. Go ahead and put your hands down right now and just pray this with me in your heart of hearts. God, I'm coming to you this morning, and I realize that I need you. I realize something needs to change, Lord. I don't, I don't have that kind of compassion for people, but I want to because I want to have experienced it firsthand with how much you love me and what you can do in my life to change me. So, Lord, right now, bottom line, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying no to myself and this world and all the way that I've been trying to control my own life and live for, and it's not getting me anywhere. I'm tired of carrying all this baggage and this weight and this worry around. So, Lord, I'm taking a step of faith, and I'm saying right now, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on that cross in the ultimate act of compassion, to die for my sins, to pay the price for me so I wouldn't have to pay the price. And, Lord, that you conquered the death and the sin and the shame and the guilt by rising again on the third day, and you promised that for me as well, Father God. That as I put my trust in you and choose to follow you from this day forward, you will be my God. You will move in my life. You will fill me with the love and the changes that I could have so that I could change and bless other people as well. Lord, I ask for that. Forgive me of my sins. I trust you. I follow you. I'll read your Bible to know more about you. I'll pray to learn to just talk to you with my worries and cares and hopes and dreams. Lord, I promise to be water baptized as a symbol of what you're doing in my heart right now, Lord. I could outwardly symbolize it in front of other people that I'm dying to my old self, that I'm a new creation. You're washing me clean of all my sins. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, because I don't want to sign up for another good person's club or religion. I want to enter into a relationship with the living God that does a miraculous in my life. Lord, I want to have praise reports to talk about in this church about how God is moving in my life. Lord, I want all that you have for me. I'm saying yes, I will follow you all the days of my life on into eternity. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me as your child. And in Jesus' mighty name, we all said together, amen. And we praise God for those people right now, don't we? Amen. Amen. Are you guys blessed this morning? Are you excited to be a blessing? I'm super stoked. Anyways, I know that you know. I know this service knows. I know the Holy Spirit's been stirring because I really think that I kind of fell over because his presence is just literally here because I'm not hurt. So I don't know, whatever. But I really feel like God has been stirring your hearts. And so I'm going to trust that he's been speaking to you. And this is, okay, so this is our newest little friend, our newest sponsor child. And I picked him actually because his name is Dennis. And we have a, a friend named Dennis and we call him Old Dirty Dennis, ODD. So that's why I picked him. But then I was reading about this little guy inside. He, they call him Junior. I was like, you're so Hawaii. This is my Junior boy because we don't call Isaac that. We call him Isaac, you know, right? Right? They call them Junior boy in Hawaii. So this is my Junior boy and I'm super stoked. And I did the math, right? Because math counts for something. And with our five, um, it's all it costs me is $6 a day to change five lives. And I'm like, that's, le- that's less than a bowl of pho, and I'm blessed. God is good. Are you guys stoked? So I want to give you the maximum amount of time to go out there, check out the babies that need to be rescued, and to have someone backing them and praying for them and believing in them. So um, we're going to stand and we're going to worship. If you asked Jesus, our King, into your heart, welcome to the family. That is amazing. 
We want to get you a Bible. We want to get you a journal. We want to get you started. I see Auntie Ludi back there. I think that's Auntie Ludi in the back waving with her Connect shirt on. Go hook up with her. They want to get you connected. If you are a new person to our church, please go there as well because we want to bless you. We want to um, give you a goodie bag. So go out there and go get your root beer floats as well because you guys are awesome. You guys are blessing. And don't forget to leave without a baby. Wait, don't leave without a baby? Don't leave without a baby. Let your family grow. God is good. And you don't have to discipline them. You just have to pray and love them. So that's awesome. Best family ever. So let's stand. Let's worship Jesus. Have a blessed rest of your weekend.